It's time for Ask Dale Anything, the show that answers your most perplexing questions with profound answers from one of the top transformational teachers and leaders on the planet, Dale Halloway. I'm your host, Mickey Manning, Dale's left-hand person, as I like to call it, and I've never heard a question that he can't answer. He's been doing this for over 40 years now, and he truly has an answer that's profound and helpful on any topic. So with that, let's get into today's question. All right, Dale. So we have a question here from Dorby in Las Vegas. And, you know, before we get started with that question, I do want to remind everyone about our best question bonus giveaway. You too can send your question in and get it answered on air by Dale and get entered automatically for a chance to win one of Dale's transformational life courses. All you have to do is send your question in to askdale at askdaleanything.com. That's askdale at askdaleanything.com. And with that, let's get into our question. So this is a little bit heavy too. So, and I, you know, it's a little bit long, but I wanted to give you the whole context for it. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. All right. So be prepared. <laughs> All right. So she says, I have a niece who is eight or nine and is having a very hard time. She is very hard on her family. This increased after a couple of freak incidents that likely have given her the belief that the world is not safe. Two years ago, she was driving with her mom and brother, and while stopped at a stoplight, a street person, it's a homeless person, hit and attacked their van with a two-by-four trying to get into the van. He was ascertained and beaten bloody right in front of them. This was very traumatizing. Then, two years later, they arrived at a library just after a stabbing occurred, and the scene was ripe and scary. Since the second event, she has been very reactive, more angry, mean, and not receptive to help. She won't participate in her activities or go to therapists or counselors. At school, she has one-on-one -on -one friendships that end, and she moves on to the next person. She's very strong in negotiation and understands power dynamics, and at the same time, she has underdeveloped empathy and doesn't understand truth. She's especially mean to her older brother and her mom. The family is sending her to a new private school this year in hopes that it will help her. So the family life is very challenging for everyone, and she is not thriving, and there is a lot of suffering. Can you share as to how to cope with her and to help her? And do you have specific ideas as to how the parents can help her? Uh, well, this is, uh, needless to say, a, a real complex situation. Um, meaning there's more than just one thing going on here um, that's involving many people. So there's both this girl, how old is this girl? Did she, did she say? She said uh, eight or nine, I believe. Hang on, let me scroll back up and look. Yeah, eight or nine years old. All right, so there's this eight or nine-year-old girl. So she's at the center of this, obviously. Um, but then there's these other people, I mean, other family members in her life that this is clearly affecting. 
as well as possibly the other family members could be affecting this too. So in other words, this could be going uh, in both directions. And then I think it would be really important to take a look at, you know, this uh, girl's past, uh, her short eight or nine years, and perhaps what's transpired in these eight or nine years, looking for any kind of events that would have had great impact on her possibly, uh, traumatically wise, events that would have traumatized um, uh, herself. And so that would be number one. And then number two, to begin to explore the approach of the parents um, or her surroundings, who's in, her, who's in this little girl's surroundings, uh, start to take a look at what it is that they're possibly doing that's either just activating this, stimulating this, igniting this, supporting this, uh, that they, uh, if they are doing something more specific, they might, in all fairness to them, might not even be aware of what that is. Um, or are they completely helpless to the entire situation and totally innocent? In other words, you know, they have no part in this whatsoever, uh, which is um, highly unlikely that they would have no part in this, um, meaning they more than likely have some part. The question is, what part would that be? Uh, because the sooner we can address that um, and then begin to work with that, as a way to help those that are in this little girl's life to show up a little differently. And then simultaneously to be helping uh, this little girl. So um, there could also be something else too uh, going on here. And for anybody that knows anything about entity attachments or spirit attachments, that there's a real likelihood that that is also occurring here too. Uh, but that would be another reason why I'm at least suggesting that someone goes in and starts to, you know, examine further uh, this little girl's life over the last nine years or so, because there's, a, again, a real good likelihood something has happened in these last eight or nine years that traumatized her, shocked her, impacted her, and then possibly that's where an attachment most certainly could have occurred, or maybe she was having some experience on her own in the middle of the night. She was in a nightmare of a type dream and it really traumatized her. And in that uh, feeling so traumatized, uh, possibly by the dream at this point, I'm just guessing, I'm, I'm just going ahead and I'm, I'm giving scenarios here. I don't want anybody to think that I'm diagnosing the situation here because I am not diagnosing this situation at all. Uh, but what I am doing is I'm speculating uh, based on uh, reading more into the question, the way the question was uh, written, and then simultaneously just pulling on my own experience of uh, having experience as a coach, as a teacher, as a facilitator of uh, these types of experiences with younger people that, uh, that uh, uh, find themselves engaged in these types of behaviors that Dorby's alluding to through that of her question. So um, that would be another area that I, I mean, if I was taking on the assignment, I would be checking uh, sooner than later for any type of attachments um, 
because there's a real possibility there's at least a attachment. There might even be more than one, as in multiple attachments. Again, lots, a lot to do depending on what's happened in these first eight to nine years. Uh, the parents to support, well, even the answer that I've given to this, um, you know, if you haven't already found somebody uh, that at least you could go talk to, uh, that would be a good strategy for you to have someone uh, that might have just an understanding of kind of what's going on. They might not have the specifics just yet, but they have an understanding because they've got experience in this area. Uh, that might be helpful for you, the parent, to have somebody like that to to uh, connect with, to speak about, to brainstorm on, so to speak, around what might be going on here. Uh, the private school, the private school, there's a possibility that could work. Um, that's going to depend on the girl. And, uh, because again, depending on what she is putting out, uh, meaning whatever it is that's happened to her, um, it, it, it's like, this might be a good example. So when you and I are traumatized, uh, let's say we experience some kind of abuse. Maybe we were in a relationship with somebody for 17 years and the somebody we were in a relationship with was an abuser and more specifically was a physical abuser. And, and when they physically abused, there was an intimidation that came along with it. In other words, he or she was at least to us was very intimidating and you always can tell whether or not this person has that intimidating quality so to speak or that we become intimidated by someone such um, is by the way it makes us feel and the way it makes us feel when we're around someone that we're intimidated by we start to shut down we start to freeze or what i call become frozen in time and um, where we can't think clearly, uh, we're, we're almost paralyzed, um, we're having a hard time even taking a breath. And, and in those moments, this is where, you know, we can most certainly be traumatized, which means that trauma then goes into our cells, goes into our being, and then it sits there, it lodges in somewhere, and then we carry it with it. We carry it with us everywhere we go until such time that you specifically go in there, dig around a little bit and let it come to the surface and process it out, get it resolved, get it healed, get it cleared. Uh, that would be the, the, um, uh, the greater objective there in that type of uh, scenario. So I'm using that as an example because if you and I have been traumatized and that trauma gets lodged into our cells. In other words, it never gets really dealt with in a way that's healthy, in a way that's conscious and responsible and mature or beneficial, then that trauma at the very least is going to influence the way we behave. There's just no way around it. It's going to influence us because everywhere we go, there it is. It just, we can't see it with our physical eye, but it's, it's still there. And if it's there, then it's there. And if it's there, that means at any point it can influence what comes out of our mouth. It can influence the way we act. It can influence our choices that we're currently in process of making in our, in our lives. 
and so on. And so that's just the way it goes. So now circling back to this little girl, if this little girl was traumatized, whatever that trauma is that went into her cells, that trauma then will influence her behavior. It'll influence what comes out of her mouth. It will influence even the choice. The, the, the choice, like here she's telling the parents that she's not gonna go to anybody. She's not gonna go to a psychologist. She's not gonna go to a psychotherapist. She's not gonna go to anybody for help. Now, this is really interesting to me because who's ruling the roost here? And this is something just to consider, right? Who is ruling the roost? Who's really in charge here? Are the parents in charge? Or might it be that this nine-year-old girl is in charge? Like what's something clearly has happened. Maybe this girl was born this way. And that's another consideration. Maybe at soul level. So we all know we have a soul and that we are a soul. So, but what we might not know is whether or not we've had a previous lifetime experience in another time, which then implies that if we have had, there's a possibility that now whatever happened in that last lifetime experience, uh, whether it was the very last lifetime or the lifetime before or before that, that uh, was unresolved or is still unresolved, shall I say. In other words, it's never been healed. So at the level of our soul, the soul registers that memory that memory from that time. And so this could also be what I often refer to as a carryover, where this nine-year-old, as you got to remember, there's the nine-year-old in physical form, but then there's the soul. And the soul could be much older than nine years old, much older. That soul could have already had a lot of experience, including traumatic experiences in that of previous times. So if that was the case, and this is a carryover, then this child who's now eight or nine years old um, could be bringing something forth from a previous time. And where from that previous time, she was in charge as a, you know, in that particular life of whoever she was in charge of. And here she is now at the age of nine, and at least it sounds like, based on the question that Dorby submitted, that this girl is in charge. She's in charge of what's going down. She's in charge of what she's willing to do and what she's not willing to do. And so that in itself is a little bit of a red flag for me in, in, light, in, in light of the type of work that I do for people in terms of serving and assisting them along their journeys, this would be something that clearly would, again, serve as a red flag. I would be questioning this big time. And I'd be questioning it with the intention being to uncover the, the, the deeper why, like what's really going on here? Uh, how's this really been set up? Why aren't the parents 
um, shall we say, more proactive? Why aren't the parents taking a more proactive approach and saying, wait a minute, we're the parents, we're to be the mature ones, uh, we're to be the wiser ones here, so to speak. This is our nine-year-old daughter. Our nine-year-old daughter, clearly something's off at the very least. Something's off it's, and it appears to be pretty loud. And so this would be a time and place for the parent to possibly become more proactive and reach out to somebody who does have some experience in this, in this area and you know, start to weigh out your options. As in option one, you could go down this path. Option two, you could go down this path to where you begin to examine at the very least with the intent, the intention, what really is going on here? Like at causal level. So most people know about cause and effect and the dynamic relationship between those two. So in the question, I'm hearing a lot about the effect. I'm not hearing much about the cause. So if I was one of the lead people on, in, in a situation like this, I'd really take the time to get a really good handle. Okay, what specifically is the effect here that's going on? But then with the intent being to begin to move closer and closer towards the uncovering of uh, causal level. Like what's, act where's this coming from? Because this is coming from somewhere. Of course, I've given a couple of, of possibilities here in my answer to Dorby's question. But where is this coming from? And who's the one who gets to be proactive to determine the answer to that question? Does this get to be the girl's choice? Or does this get to be the parent's choice? Or maybe the grandparents are involved. Maybe it becomes the grandparent's choice. Or maybe it's an older sibling. Sometimes older siblings get involved as well um, in these types of you know, situations. But I would say it would be more than likely really wise to get real proactive on this. And for somebody who's more adult to take that proactive lead um, uh, with the intent being of the well-being of this girl. And regardless of what she says, that somebody needs to kind of step up to the plate here. Um, and again, if that can't happen right away, then go find somebody who can begin to help to educate you or give you more insight into what's going on here. And then possibly with some real concrete suggestions around what it is that you, the parent, the sibling, the grandparent, the aunt, the uncle, whoever the, whoever the real guardian is, guardian, uh, is here to step in in this more proactive way as a way to get more to the bottom of what it is that's actually going on here so that that can then be treated. That can then be dealt with in a way that uh, becomes healthy and um, responsible and conscious and productive. Um, so Dale, I think that your intuitive and your mystical abilities are definitely online for this one, because there were some follow-up questions that were sent in oh. and, uh, you were right on there. You already, already kind of answered some of them, but maybe you can elaborate a bit more. So she asks, can entities attach to children or can they be born with entities? 
And her third question here was, does mental illness sometimes involve entities and children? So there's definitely some speculation. She's not saying what's going on, but there's some thoughts there as to what you were alluding to already, obviously. Well, the answer to all three questions is yes. Uh, the weaker yes would be on, can you be born with an entity? You can be born with an entity. That would be a carryover-like experience that I alluded to earlier on. Um, but most certainly, once you're in physical form, um, or quite frankly, you're in the, um, you know, your mother's tummy, and uh, you haven't even been physically born yet, but you've been conceived and you're now taking form and so on and so forth, it can happen there. In fact, um, you know, not to hopefully freak anybody out, but the mother could have an attached entity or a spiritual attachment, a spirit attachment, shall I say. And because the, you know, when we're a baby, we are completely um, helpless. Like uh, the, obviously one of the key roles of our uh, parents or our guardians is to protect us from unwanted influences. It's just in our world, now this is changing, mind you, but the way it's been is there's been uh, such a lack of education around what we're touching on right now or what Dorby has asked in terms of her follow-up question around an entity attachment or possibly a spirit attachment. Um, and you know, most people just are not aware of this type of stuff, let alone how this even happens, let alone what type of attachments you can find yourself um, you know, inexperiencing of. And so this can happen at a very young age. Uh, they can, uh, you know, an entity that's already attached to mom or dad or to an older sibling can literally jump from that person to the infant, the infant that's quite frankly about to be born or literally being born. And it can happen that quick. Uh, and especially if in say, for example, in the birthing process, um, there's a, you know, in the labor that the mother experiences, it becomes really intense. And as we all know, in some cases with some mothers, uh, the actual birthing process can also be traumatizing to the mother. Well, if it's traumatizing to the mother, then this you can be assured of, it's going to be traumatized or traumatizing to the child, right? We also now know that if the mother is in a relationship, say for example, with a father that's somewhat abusive, or maybe the mother's abusive to the father, or maybe they're both abusive to each other, verbally, mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, whatever level. Um, and if the mother is pregnant, then whatever that abuse is, that abuse is landing in the energy field of the child now too, even though the child hasn't been physically born yet. So, and again, there's such a, at least up until most recently, there's been such a lack of education around this, partly because most people are so afraid of this. Most people start to freak out just even considering this idea that there might be these entities or these um, spirits that have not left this world yet. In other words, they're still earthbound. And, you know, and the reality is there's many of these entities and so the answer to her follow-up question is yes and yes on both, you know, once the child was born, so there could have been some kind of an attachment right around that time. 
in light of what I just shared. Uh, but most certainly after that, if the child was traumatized or had some kind of a real scary experience, um, then there's a chance that um, uh, an entity uh, attached itself to her. And then as always, if an entity, when an entity attaches itself to us, uh, most people, when this happens, are not even aware, not even aware of this. Um, you know, now few are where all of a sudden they know sometimes within minutes, some foreign unwanted influence just entered into their body. And so, and it doesn't feel very good when that happens. That, that can feel just really weird. Um, it can knock you off balance a little bit. It can disorient you uh, because another living form just literally jumped into your body. So now not, again, most people aren't even in touch when that sort of thing happens. Uh, those, of course, who are, usually they're the ones who know what to do with that right away. So they do something that's very productive so that it doesn't have to become a big deal for them. Those who are not aware of this, when this sort of thing happens, then that entity or that spirit, uh, once they enter in, the next, next thing they do, they go into hiding. They find a place in the field of that body. And whether that body's one year old or quite frankly, 61 years of age, it doesn't matter. That what they do is they go into hiding almost immediately. And then they hide there for a while. Sometimes they could hide for weeks. Sometimes they could hide for months. And quite frankly, some of them hide for a few years before they even begin to make themselves known. And then even then when they start to make themselves known because there's been such a lack of education around this, the individual's not even aware that they've got an attachment. And next thing you know, um, certain thoughts show up on the screen of their mind that are not even their thoughts. Next thing you know, that person starts to engage in certain behaviors that normally they would never engage in. Or next thing you know, let's say the person, the actual individual, him or herself, uh, is really has, has a sweet tooth and might even have a sugar addiction. And let's say I have an entity attachment, I've got a sugar addiction, the odds are the entity that's attached itself to me, guess what? In its previous time, it developed a sugar addiction. So now both of us are gonna get high off of the sugar, which means we need more sugar. So if just for me alone, it only takes two scoops of ice cream to get high, and now I've got an entity, now I need four scoops because the entity is going to ride on that addictive behavior. And next thing you know, you know, the person is eating more and more sugar. It's spinning out of control. It looks like it's all them, but it might not be all of them. It might be them as well as one of these attachments uh, that attached to them some time ago. And so now they got a double whammy. And this is where, you know, it could put your risk or pardon me, it could put your health at risk because now you're 
really overdoing the sugar. And as we know, you put enough sugar in your body over a period of time, we, as we say, we can kind of see the writing on the wall. In fact, we sometimes already know the organ that it's gonna go after and, uh, or the disease that it's gonna to begin to create at some point, uh, if it continues. Because in this case, you've got two of you. One is really the you that belongs to you, and you got the other that doesn't even belong to you. The other is literally another living form that is not you, but is in resonance with you. And because it's in resonance with you, that's what gets it, that's what gets it to be able to stick to you. And so if it turns out to be a sugar addiction or it could be an alcohol addiction or it could be a some other kind of drug addiction, uh, whatever it is, now you got a double whammy. And that's where we see people, at least I see people, where their, their, their addictions are like super strong. Um, and in, at least in some of those cases, it's because there's actually two uh, living forms within that same body that is going after the exact same addiction. Sometimes it can even be multiple. And I know, I mean, I could go on for quite some time. I'm gonna stop there. Um, but coming back to Dorby's follow-up, question that yes most certainly this can be and then it goes unchecked and then she becomes nine right now she's eight or nine then she shall be 10 12 you get the idea from there and whatever this activity that could be going on with her um it goes unchecked undetected which means it gets stronger it gets a stronger foothold into that of her body which ultimately means down the way if this is going on, that now um, the body is being shared. The body is literally being shared by one or two other entities that really don't belong there. They really need to be, they need to be escorted out and they can be escorted out. You're probably gonna need some help from somebody who knows what they're doing. And there are people who do know how to do this. Um, but again, once the adult that's present in this situation chooses to become more proactive, and even if he or she does not know what to do, uh, then go reach out to somebody. Go find a good psychologist. Go find a real high-level coach, uh, somebody that has experience in this arena, um, or find some kind of a healer that really knows what they're doing here, um, that can get in there and help read your child, read you as well. Um, and then due to their experience they've had in this arena, they can come forth with usually some real practical, uh, doable um, action steps, so to speak, in terms of what might be best to start doing as a way to start chipping away at this and eventually get to what's causing this. And then once you get to what's causing this, start to work with that at causal level with the intent being to heal it, to transform it. And if in the event that there's an entity there, an attached entity or an attached spirit, then we've got to be able to release that. We've got to be able to clear it. We've got to be able to escort it out. Or some might say we've got to give it its eviction notice and get it out of Dodge because that's not helping. If in fact, if in fact that's what's going on with this little girl, that is not helping that little girl one iota. 
So if that's what's going on, the sooner we, sooner you get to this and clear it up, the better it's going to be for that little girl. Um, and quite frankly, the better it's going to be for the entire family. Everybody, if that's what's going on, everybody's going to benefit from this in the best of ways once it becomes cleared. Wow, I tell you what, talk about a heavy situation. I'm really glad that you touched on the different types of professionals that might be able to help them because obviously until they can identify it, it it's not like it's going to correct itself. It's just so heavy and complex. So my heart just goes out to them. I just can't even imagine, Dale. Yeah, well, and I would say, you know, you can start, you could even start with just a real good psychologist. There you go. Um, or a real good child psychologist. Uh, that could be a good starting place if you haven't, if that hasn't already dawned upon you yet. Right. And just go after the behavior. Well, they go said they the couldn't behavior. get the girl to go. So what do they like strap her down and drag her? I mean, they, well, that was mentioned that she won't go to a therapist, which obviously you said who's in charge, but, uh, you know, well, no, she's going to, I mean, if I had a nine-year-old and my nine-year-old said, I'm not going to go said, sorry, you don't have a vote in this one. <laughs> right. I, and you don't have a vote in this one because I love you way too much. You're my daughter. Yeah. You're my child and I'm your dad. And this is where sometimes in life, when you're still a child, your dad makes the decisions or your mom makes a decision or yeah. we as your parents make the decision. You don't, you don't get to make these decisions at this stage of your journey. And sometimes you just you know, need to take charge in a positive way, in a healthy way, in a compassionate, um, uh, but firm way. And, you know, and then you go to whoever it is that you found. Uh, or in some cases, sometimes, um, you know, you can set it up where you can meet on in neutral territory as well, depending on who the person is. Obviously, a more healer type will meet you in your home, uh, where a psychologist, more than likely, you're going to have to go to their office. Um, but the point is there are people out there that can assist. The other point is, is just start somewhere. Start somewhere. A lot of times where we start is not where we end up. So as in we start with a possible child psychologist here, but then we end up with some kind of a healer who again, really knows what he or she's doing in this arena because through the work with the child psychologist, we start to identify the points of trauma that took place in the life of this little girl. Um, another area that for whatever reason keeps on coming to me around this question is a family psychologist, you know, because once again, there could be things, as I said at the beginning part of the show, there could be things that the family's doing that they're not even aware that they're doing that's contributing to this. And a real good family psychologist or a real good family coach type person that once again, really knows what they're doing. They've been down this road before. They've got a lot of experience and good training underneath them. Um, uh, they will flush that out. They will flush it out. You might, not, you might not like what they flush out, but they'll flush it out. They'll flush it out of you. They'll flush it out of the family dynamic. Right. Again, in all fairness to you, you might not even be aware of what this is, but that's what a real expert does. Somebody who's really expert, that's real professional, that's very good at what they do in this regard. Um, 
in a relatively short period of time, they'll start picking up on all kinds of clues around what's actually going on here. And it might not just be coming from this little girl. There might be others involved here, uh, as well as some of the other things that um, I alluded to in terms of my answer to uh, your questions here today, Dorby. All right, great insight, Dale. It's just, yeah. Well, my heart goes out to them and I appreciate Dorby asking this question on behalf of her family. I know it's probably difficult for everyone, but um, thanks Dorby. And hopefully you can get them to listen to this and, and take Dale up on some of this amazing sage advice that he's given today. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and thank you, Dorby, for the heavy but heartfelt question. Yes, big time, Dorby. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, uh, if you have a question for us, as you can see, Dale can answer anything, any topic, whether it's spiritual, transformative, the heavy questions too. I mean, he just has such a great, insightful answer to every question. We've done almost 70 episodes and every time he just has an, an amazing answer that is helpful. So highly recommend that you, you know, quit sitting on the fence, send your question to us at mm -hmm. askdale. That's askdale at askdaleanything.com. Askdale at askdaleanything.com. You can get your question answered and you can get entered in our best question bonus giveaway. That's an ongoing drawing to win one of Dale's transformational courses. And that too could impact your life for the better. So please quit waiting. Send your question in. Hey, I have a, I have a question. Do we get to submit our name too? <laughs> you have a question for yourself, Dale? That ought to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get one of those courses. I hear they're really good. They're really helpful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, now my kids keep giving me questions to give to you. I'm like, all right, all right, hold on. <laughs> Don't bombard them here. <laughs> I think we have about 200 questions in the hopper. It's just crazy. So oh, we have an endless array of questions. But uh -huh. hey, you know what? We got time. We got more episodes coming. So we're going to get to them all eventually, aren't we? Yes, we sure will. <laughs> At least that's the idea. That, that is the idea. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, everybody, please send your questions in and please join us again soon. Stay well, everyone. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you found Dale's teachings helpful and you want to get more of them, then you might really like his free ebook that we have for you 12 Simple Ways to Change Your Life in 30 Days. You can download it for free at dellhalloway.com forward slash practices. That's dellhalloway.com forward slash practices. In it, you'll find 12 simple ways explained to you in exact step-by-step -step fashion that will cause your life to move forward in the next month. Simply choose one of the practices, any one of them, do it for 30 days straight, and you'll see a new you begin to manifest. I am not kidding. Download your free copy today at D-A-L-E-H-A-L-A-W-A-Y.com forward slash practices. Oh, and by the way, if you know anybody who might find this content helpful, please share it with them. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you next time.